The Law Report with Michael Mutuning Bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Very good evening and welcome to the Law Report. My name is Michael Mutsuning Bill. Um, thank you so much, Sutumeya. She's back again tomorrow, same time. And um, what I said to in my throw forward is that I'm going to be talking about labor law, and that's what we promised to talk about. It's an open line. But then I had a <clears throat> conversation with a good friend uh, whom you are very familiar with, Ngobizi uh, Tamlilo. And he said to me, Why are you talking about labor law? Let's talk about everything. Hmm. So. We're going to do this, and we've done this before, and it was a lot of fun, particularly for me and, and Ngobzita. Ask us anything that you want. It's an open line, pretty much on anything. The floor is open on the law report. Number to dial 86 The law report with Michael Mutsuning Bill on Kaya FM 95.9. All right, I'm with my co host, Ngobzita Mlilo. Ngobzita, good evening, and thank you so much for talking to us. It's been a while, man. I'm back, Mike. I'm back. I'm back. Man. Uh, I'm back, Mike. And you know, hi- hibernation, hibernation is not a good thing, man. We've missed you, Kaya. I, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm always around. I'm always ready. We are always ready to help Mkaya understand the law. We, you and me have been on this for a very long time. So we hope Mkaya will ask us anything under the sun they want to know about the law. The answers are here. We will help them navigate everything in law. It's 2021. It's COVID. And lawyers are expensive. So this is the show to be at. <laughs> so free legal advice. Give us a ring. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Number to dial 086 I mean, we have no idea what you want to ask us but uh and i so Ngobizita is not my guest he's my co-host so him and i are hosting this together and we're saying to you ask us anything that you want to know whether it's got to do with divorce maintenance labor law uh vaccines i mean there's a lot of conversations around the vaccines um whether you can take a vaccine or not whether somebody can force you to take it or not i know there's a, a few conspiracy theories and a few boo-boos insofar as the kind of vaccines that we got and and of course the very important requirement that we we probably all need to find a way to work around it so we'll talk a little bit about that as well but i don't want to ask the questions uh, i want you to do it and if the only way you can do it is is giving us a call 086-00-00959 i mean let's pick up on the vaccines a lot of people are saying um i know they brought some vaccines and that was a, a complete fail um and then the the next thing that happened is that I understand we got delivery of eighty thousand um, doses this this day, and that's been administered on the priority citizens, and that would be your healthcare workers. But I mean, let's just talk generally around. You know, everybody has a different view on on the vaccine. Some believe that they don't want it. You know, it, the, the 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 views vary from I want it to I don't want it and, and the things that are in between. But maybe let's just talk about an employer. Can an employer say, well, we've got this vaccine. I don't care what you think. Um, you got you to gotta take this vaccine or else, you know, <clears throat> don't come to work, whatever the case might be. Maybe just sort of, you know, how is this going to be rolled out? Because there are some people, remember that if, if, if employee X decides they don't want to take this, they could infect me potentially because they are, they are susceptible to it. What, what, what do you think the legal position will be when, when the time comes? 
Mike, it's 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 a uh, it's a unique situation because the the COVID, by its very definition, and uh, the manner in which not only South Africa but the rest of the world has responded to it, is quite unique. Um, so it is going to test the particularly in 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 a particular area of interest for me, constitutional jurisprudence around the right to health care, around the right to privacy, around the the right to um, uh, 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 to, to, to dignity. Mm. And how that interacts uh, with the rest of the, in particular, labor law, uh, what you're asking. Because the Constitution basically suggests that uh, there are no rights that clash. Mm. Uh, If I have the right to my freedom of religion, for instance, and my religion tells me that I shouldn't take that vaccine for whatever reason, uh, given the conspiracies that you are are making reference to, Mm. and the other person then claims their right to health. Mm. Uh, in the sense that if you don't take the vaccine, you are going to infect me. So I think we are on, on, on uncharted territory. Where I think that the, the ultimate um, uh, ball would land at uh, so a, a court pronouncing that it is constitutionally permissible uh, to force people to have uh, uh, vaccines. If you look at the way the, the, the high courts in general, uh, the Pretoria High Court and the Cape Town High Court has responded to issues, various challenges around how the government has responded to, to COVID. What you, what you discern quite evidently is that the courts have generally taken a position that says we defer to the state to make a decision on what is appropriate in these circumstances and therefore we are not going to interfere or render government decisions unlawful because we think they are highly polycentric and it, it, those decisions are going to be made by, uh, by, by the executive. So I think there is an argument to be made constitutionally uh, that everyone has a right to privacy, everyone has a right to dignity and they can refuse to take uh, the vaccine. But I think that if the matter is taken all the way to the constitutional court, even though there's a cogent argument to suggest that you can refuse, my my view is that the constitutional court is most likely going to defer to the executive to say the executive is right in the, taking the right decision and therefore uh, you should be forced to, to to take a vaccine. That's my 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 early summation of how the courts have generally have been responding to the to to this COVID issue. If you've just tuned in, I'm talking to Advocate Ngobizi Tamlilo, and uh, we are inviting you hit us up with pretty much any question that has to do with law um, whatever whatever bothers you, whatever free legal advice that you need, give us a call and this is a show, we want to, I think it's, it's sort of a, a nice challenge for us, I think the last time him and I did this was two years ago where, where, where we said ask us anything and, and it was you know, a lot of fun dealing with any question that, that comes up as, uh, as it pertains to law and we, we're doing it again yeah and Mkaya always wants to call when it's five minutes left. And when you are now saying, I'm left in two seconds, Mkaya, I'm left in two seconds. So let them ask if it is about, uh, about divorce, it's about family law, if it's about criminal law. If it, let the questions come now so that we have enough time to answer all the questions. It always happens, Mike. Uh, absolutely. It's like, it's like the curse yeah. of like the, the law report because people are always like saying, what are they talking about? Does it fit my, my predicament? And this one yeah. doesn't fit your predicament. You give us your yeah. predicament and we'll fit into it. Into it. Number to dial 86 959 Call now, Mkaya. Call right now, and we, him, him and I will be able to take your call. Now, the, the other thing, I mean, it, which makes it a bit of a dilemma, right? And, and I think you've pointed out to some of the issues is um, when you take HIV, for example, we all know that if you take HIV, um, your viral load decreases to a point where your risk of infecting somebody else 
is is significantly reduced and therefore the spread of HIV is consequently also reduced. And we know that we can't force people and we are not forcing people. And what happens in hospitals is a lot of advisory, a lot of advice. But that's something that happens at a different level because for you to contract HIV, there's sort of a limited number of ways in which you can contract it. And we know those ways. Um, yeah. Now, with with this one in particular, is I don't have to make a choice, you know. So with 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 in sexual intercourse or the sharing of uh, needles, it's I'm making a choice that I want to have intercourse with with well, not you, Nobizita, but with X, right? Uh, or that I want to share a, a needle with somebody. Um, now, with this one, I don't have to make a choice that I'm in the same elevator as you, or I'm finding myself in the same workplace as you. Do you think that there might be sort of good arguments on why somebody must be forced and and you know yeah. even against whatever you know freedom of choice they might have freedom of religion that they might have whatever freedom that one might want to express or as as a defense for not taking the vaccine yeah no no i, I think you're correct mike and, and 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 you're correct to point out the evident distinction between hiv and COVID. so mm. much so that the parallels can be drawn mm. um and and which is why i was saying earlier on uh, that there could be an argument to be made for someone to refuse to take the vaccine because they cite one or other right in the bill of rights yeah <clears throat> but 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 our constitutional jurisprudence is divided into two the first part is an identification of which right it is that is in question. For instance, mm. if we take the right to freedom of, freedom of religion and you say, because of my religion, I don't want to take this vaccine. Mm. Um, it is, it, when, when the government forces you to take the, the vaccine, the conclusion is that there is a breach of your constitutional right. But that's not enough. Mm. The mere breach of a constitutional right is not enough. Mm. You need to go to the second leg of it to say, is that breach justifiable in an open and democratic society with factors listed in section 36 of the constitution which basically mean that uh, it is possible that we can limit or take away your rights your right to freedom of religion you are saying you don't want to take the vaccine because of the right to freedom of religion yes we know you have a right to freedom of religion but we are taking it and mm. but that taking of that right is justifiable in an open and democratic society because of the reasons that you've given yeah. you are going to infect me even if i don't want to be to be infected because i don't have a choice i have to be in the same office with you i, I don't have a choice i have to be in the same public transport with you so which is why i'm saying <clears throat> It is quite evident that when a government says they're going to force you to take a vaccine, Mm. they are going to be in breach of one or other constitutional right. But that breach might very well be justifiable in terms of the limitations clause in Section 36 of the Constitution, Mm. which therefore makes it constitutional and legal for you to be forced to take a vaccine. My take is that not only because of the way the High Court in Pretoria and the Cape Town uh, High Court has been generally deferring to the to, to the executive. Uh, remember, there have been various constru- cases. These ones want alcohol. These ones want to travel <laughs> cross province. These ones want to go to church. And everyone has been running to court. And the courts have basically been saying, uh-uh. We are deferring to the executive. The executive uh, knows what they're doing. It's a highly polycentric matter. Let's go with what they are saying because of the unique situation we have. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm almost confident that if anyone takes this matter to the Constitutional Court, valid an argument as it might be, they are unlikely to succeed. Now, let's take some calls. Uh, number to dial 86 with my co-host advocate Ngobizi Tamlilo. Anything under the sun, you want to ask us a question, uh, do give us a call. And here's a nice thing about Ngobizi Tanai. 
I know he's got a big ego, so I don't have to nurse him if I don't agree with him, right? <laughs> <laughs> he can take it, and, and, and I can take it too. So I think that's, that's why this is fun to do it with him. You know, sometimes, um, you know, you don't, I don't have to be shy because, because he's a guy with a thick skin. Ayanda from Johannesburg, good evening. Hi, good evening. Hi. Uh, I would like to ask, uh, my, my husband recently passed away and I uh, realized that he doesn't have a will. We were married in community of property. So now I am having troubles with the family. They want some of the belongings and I'm realizing from his work that the children that he made outside, there's two other kids and there was a kid that he had, which I knew before we were married mm-hmm. and we had our last born. So now what I want to find out is that I am not retaining anything on the, I think the money that are supposed to be coming out and all the other things were written in his mother and the kids. So now what I wanted to find out, how do I handle this as the family are now coming forth and they want this and the work are saying that I'm not written there, mm-hmm. even though we're married uh, in community of property and everything. So yeah, that's my question. Good. Our condolences about, about the loss of your husband. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> you got a question or are you ready to fire? Uh, I uh, think I'm ready to fire. Okay. Fire. Okay. Can I listen on radio? Sure. Or I think, I think, hang on. Uh, we, we, there, there might yeah. be follow-ups. Okay. Uh, shooting, okay. Ozita. Well, I, I think, like Mike, I think the, the first thing is to express my condolences as well for, for, for the loss of your husband. And um, it, it, it always happens, uh, well, not always, it, it, that immediately after death, um, a lot of issues arise. But I, don't, I, I think that by virtue of the fact that you are married in community of property, it should perhaps be relatively simple in attending to the yeah. winding up of that estate. Yeah. Uh, so, so, mm-hmm. so your husband's estate uh, has to be wound up, and that estate is jointly owned by you by virtue of the, that, the fact that you are married in community of property. So mm-hmm. the first step you need to do is to go to the master of the high court. Depending on the value of the estate, if it is above 250000 you be issued with a letter of executorship. That letter of executorship enables you to, do, to wind the estate in the sense that uh, you are going to collate all the liabilities of his estate and all the assets of his estate. And you take your share, firstly, from that estate. As, as a person that is married to the deceased in community of property, the balance of, we, of which is now going to be shared by all the descendants, his descendants related to him in the first blood, including the children that you didn't get, give birth to. Um, so so, so, so the, the, the first step is go to the master of the high court, have a sense of how much he is worth. If he's worth above okay. 250000 because that question the master is going to ask you. Uh, and then they'll yeah. give you a letter of, of, of executorship. The letter of executorship basically places you in the shoes of the deceased. You now take control of assets which would otherwise have been the assets of the, of the deceased. You collect the assets, you collect the liabilities, um, and, and, and then you're going to reach a stage where you, what is called a distribution stage. Uh, after the okay. distribution, uh, you take your share and then you distribute the, the remaining estates to the uh, to the children of the deceased who are related to him in the first place. It almost says that there is no room for the family. 
Yeah. So, so, and, and, and I think, you know, just last week we were talking about the power of marriage, right? So people, people living together, not getting married, but the difference with you is that you married and what the Lord does is it confers a lot of power on you as somebody who's married. So the first thing that you got to note is before the uncles and the aunts come, Borakadi, before they come, mm-hmm. you, you already, it's, they, you're, it's not something you're inheriting. You already have and own half of the estate. So if the estate is worth two million, for example, before we even mm-hmm. talk about the children and what they are entitled to or not entitled to, you first get your 50%. So if you follow the process that Nobizit has described, you first get your 50%. And then after that 50%, then we talk about the remaining. So we don't know how much the value of your husband or your joint estate is because it's a joint estate. Mm. It's not his, it's joint. And then you then say from his half, you get the uh, first, was it, what was it, Nobizita? That the, the, the spouse gets? 400 and, uh, what? Yeah, so 250 plus a child's share, whichever is greater. Yeah, so to, so you get the first two hundred and fifty thousand rands, um, uh, and then if it's so, let's say for example the estate is worth three hundred thousand, so that mm-hmm. means you get everything. Not even your own children get anything, right? Because you're going to get the first, you're going to get the first. Let's say two fifty. You're going to get the entire two fifty. Not even your child shares. Not even the outside. Um, not any child of the deceased shares in 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 this amount. But if it's greater, let's say it's worth six million, right? You uh, you you either get the first 250 or you get what we call pasterpes. So if there's six children, you, uh, I mean, there's five children and you're the sixth one, you're going to get a child share. So it's going to be 250, 250, 250 divided amongst all of you, including your children, his previous children, his current children, all the children. Um, so that, 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 addresses the, that, that addresses the first part of your question, as, as I understand it. The second part of your question relates to what he has registered or, you know, the beneficiaries that he's listed uh, what you describe at work, and I understand that to be his provident pension fund. Now, yes. now that our child, mm-hmm. not, not no worries. Let me let me do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, got children. it. So what then happens there is that you can write. So I can have a pension fund, and I can write or number one and number two. They are getting this. The mm-hmm. the pension fund adjudicator is it the adjudicator, the administrator, one of them, the person that deals they decide they look at the maintenance obligations of the deceased so let's assume michael has got uh uh more we'll, we'll call it kwapeni and then mm. the kwapeni or not let's even be more practical i i love my dear mother she raised me but i i've written my mother as a beneficiary but i've got a six-year-old child that's got a, mm. a, a life ahead of him or her the when they distribute they don't look at what i've said they look at the 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 best interest of the child firstly they look at my maintenance obligation so if i was maintaining you when i was alive as my wife you're gonna you they're gonna exercise their discretion in in favor of giving it to you so you look like you're in a pretty good position even though there's a lot of people that are coming for you um um but but the law is pretty much on your side okay Hope you are helped. Okay. I want to turn to Lesejo. You're calling us from, well, you're on the road. Like any other guests, it's an open line. If you've just tuned in, we've got one minute before the break. Shall we take a break now or deal with Lesejo? Let's pay rent. Let's pay rent. We're going to pay rent. The Law Report with Michael Mutsuning Bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back. We are taking your calls. Anything that you want to ask. 
ask us, do give us a call, 86 I'm with Advocate Ngobizita Mlilo, and we're talking about pretty much any question that you have. It's your show. Lesejo, you're on the road. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, where's the photo? Where's the photo? I'm going to take that one. It sounds nice. I was dribbled by language there. I was dribbled, dribbled by language. Mm. That's why you are no busy, Tamlilo. And I'm no training. Like, I don't think anybody expected no busy, Tamlilo. Do you understand? <laughs> Over to you, Mike. <laughs> right, right. All right, so let's do this. So the question was, uh, husband uh, married and coming to property with husband, husband gets a pension payout, and husband takes off to live um, with mm. New Bay. So, so, what what you needed to do, what you need to do uh, is, and what you should have done, when he gets the pension fund, it looks like it's his money, but it's not. It's half of yours. Half of it is yours, right? And what you have the right to do and still have the right to do is to approach a court and say, court, uh, husband here has gotten money and husband here is squandering the money. Can I get an order that says I must get my half of that pension fund even though we are not getting divorced? Or can I get an order that says let's do a distribution right now and still keep the marriage intact so you can confine it to the pension payout or you can do a distribution because if somebody is going to if there's evidence that somebody is taking steps to squander money and a lot of people try to do this what happens is that i know that i want to divorce you and in anticipation and because i'm bitter and angry and i may have very good reasons for doing so i then decide well i don't want this woman or this man to get my money so what i'm going to do is get that i'm going to finish all my money so she gets zero and in that situation if you're married in community of property if that man squanders that money he's squandering your money so it's part of your estate that's been squandered you can actually stop you can approach the pension fund and say pension you need and and the nice thing about a pension sometimes is that they don't pay out in full they pay like a third and then somebody might elect to um, get the rest in installments. So you, you don't even have to worry about spousal maintenance. That's, that's a small fight. What you want to go for is for the big fight. You want to get the, you want to get the distribution or the sharing of the, of the pension, um, to say, this is what he's doing. He's squandering it. He's doing this. And, and some other person that just Johnny come later is now enjoying the fruits of your joint pension because it is a joint pension. So that's what I would advise yeah, you. What to do. I did actually, um, got some advice so I went to the office and uh, the pension fund they told me that um one and a set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
then the rest is in the steel. And the other thing, before this, uh, I, I didn't get a pension in. Mm. Two years ago, like, uh, I think 2015 or 2016, when I found out this is we are then I tried to initiate divorce from Seva and everything, mm. but she was, she was back and diving. Mm. And at the end of the day, being myself and say, I, it seems so very nice. Mm. And that was a divorce because she's colleague. Mm. Whatever the she does outside, not thinking she was a shift and saying, I'm going to go to the then upon one of the advice who died in the before he pay out. No, so I, it, it's she because he still has the other money in in the in the scheme in the pension fund or the scheme. Yeah. So you're you're not you're not in a very terrible situation. You just need to go for that other half. And the fact that you've okay. actually launched divorce might actually work in your favor. Because what you're saying is, I've launched the divorce and he's making sure that there's nothing to distribute. So you can revive the divorce and in the interim apply for uh, an order that either stops the further squandering or, but you want to get this thing distributed now. I mean, you've got good evidence that the, there's a payout, that it's been squandered, that it's not contributing to the joint household. You've got all the facts and the circumstances to make you win. So go for that. But nothing stops you again from doing all of that and still going to the maintenance court and claiming maintenance. So you've got all of those remedies available to you. So, so, so uh, can I go without the lawyer? Well, if you want a distribution, uh, it's not like it's in maintenance. People at the maintenance court are very helpful. There are forms, there are whatever. This one where you want a distribution, it's not something that happens every day. Um, okay. so, so, you know, um, unfortunately, and but I mean, you can go to various law clinics if you can't afford a lawyer. Um, and a lot of people will be able to take it up for you because you, once they succeed, they'll be able to recover their costs. But, but I, I, I mean, I don't want to say go get a lawyer because you have a choice, but I find it from where I'm standing, I find it difficult to, to, to imagine that you might be able to do it without one. Okay, definitely. Then on my way out, I met another, uh, what you call a supervisor, and then I told him that I'm in Soweto. He said, oh, okay, we've got a nearby post uh, around Soweto, which is Olivan's Lake. Okay, give me your details, then I'll keep in touch should something pop up. Okay, fine. Then he was like, okay, uh, like give me a call once a month to hear my uh, our things. I kept on calling him like July, after September, October, November, like, twice maybe three times in november you know uh, in the industry i upgrade after i've done a second upgrade i send it to him on whatsapp fine november december i said december uh end of december uh, we're gonna take you uh there's another site where we're in alberton okay fine uh come december december nothing so bottom line uh and then what happened bottom line is 
in January because I was working on different companies. Mm. They called me on another campaign. Mm. I went to that company, interviewed, presented what I had, what I had, they hired me. Mm. It is on the 6th of January. Mm. I went 6th of January, three days before end of January. Contract, uh, area manager trying to come to the contract, contract, I signed the contract, say, tomorrow HR will call you to confirm everything. Following day, HR calls me, you table for Chapuli, yes, hey, sorry, we can't hire you because you are a double agent. You are hired on such a certain company. Mm-hmm. I'm like, which company is that? She sends me uh, the details on WhatsApp. I'm like, no. This company, I only gave them my CV. They didn't hire me. I'm surprised to see on the CV, uh, on the authority system uh, that I'm working for them. I'm not. So the current company that hired me, they said, put your letters within three days. Oh, we need to manage a person on this post. We'll have to let you go and get somebody else. Mm. Then I lost my job just like that. Mm. Tell me. So basically they made a fixed account and use my credentials and my identity. So why did they use your identity for? To say you're an employee or that you're a director or, or that you're a shareholder? I'm an employee. They say you're an employee. And and if you're working for the security, you must be registered with CIRA. Yes, I am registered with CIRA. That means they went to the CIRA, then by a CIRA. Okay. Mm. So this current company in the Kikinkona, I only worked one month then they actually let me go by Ram Have you have you is it is it in writing that you, you were fired because of this? Even if it's a WhatsApp? Pardon? The the, 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 the second company that dismissed you because of of, of this problem. Did they did they do it formally to give you reasons? So, in other words, do you have evidence that you can no, say? No, mm. not a double agent. I must sort out my matters with the company that claims that put me on fear for the mm. They're giving me three days. So three days according to that. Mm. Okay. So we are preventing them tomorrow. Mm. All right, Mlilo. So I want to know that. With the second company, it, 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 it was an offer to to employ conditional upon him removing his name from the other company. So he they, was not it, employed. It, it seems like the second company actually employed him, and then they find out. Hang on, you actually are, you know, are are, are employed by another company. So if you employed there, how you want to work for us as well? Exactly. No, then if, if, if an employment relationship was created and uh, they employed him, uh, it, it is not permissible for them to just tell him to stop. They will have to subject him to a disciplinary process and in that disciplinary process uh, put a charge uh, in the manner in which whatever they, they, they formulate. For instance, mm-hmm. they're saying that you're a double agent, whatever they call that. Or moonlighting or whatever. Mm. Yes. So, so it, it is not possible that they would just tell him to stop. That would amount to both substantively and procedurally uh, unfair dismissal. So, at least in respect of that, he can refer that matter to the CCMA, uh, that part of the, the, the part of the by the second company. Uh, the second company, when they dismissed me, they told me, we are going to hire some board, but when I go and sort out your matter, my point here is, the third company, in Kenya Ladies, they stole my identity. So his, his beef is with the first company. If you've just tuned in, uh, we're taking your calls on 86 on pretty much any question that you have as it pertains to law. Uh, and Ngobizita and I 
we'll we'll do our best to to deal with any question that you have. Do give us a call and and use that number oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. So so Mister, what 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 what? what so if if, mm. if his beef is with the second company, then no, the first, the first. So so he's not querying. So his 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 gripe is you first company have yes. have ruined my chances of employment because you are fronting yes, yes. in my name. You are for whatever reason are saying that I'm employed by you. Whether whether the reason is to uh, whatever reason that they might have, they are using his name without his authorization to say he's employed by them. And he's never had an employment relationship. He's only applied for work there. Yeah, my, my, my take would be, Mike, that in respect of the first company, mm. that amounts to a fraudulent act. And that, that, Indeed. that takes the matter within the realm of criminal law. Mm. You would have to, my sense is that you would have to take that part of the matter to, to, to the police for the necessary investigation. If the allegation proves true, then you can mount a civil case from there. Because it, it might, we need to establish that as a matter of fact, what he's saying is true. Yeah. And it requires necessary investigation uh, because that will amount to fraud. Yeah. Uh, so so my, my sense is go and report the matter to the police. Let that aspect be investigated. If that is correct, and uh, either there's, a, there's some form of a settlement within the criminal justice process or if, it is, if there's no settlement after the conclusion of the criminal justice process, then come back to a civil claim. But 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 I mean the other thing I mean you 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 dead right no is it um, the other thing that you can do because I know Sira takes these things very seriously uh, because they regulate the security industry so my advice as well would be to go and report them to Sira um, because there's you know I I don't know why they would do this I'm I'm speculating different reasons of of why somebody might do this so go and report them to Sira and if you've reported them to Sira you've reported them to the police and then if that doesn't work out. Um, you know, I think you might have to, uh, but I think it should. I don't think it will it get. Should. It should. No, work out. It should work out the two authorities, right? Because on the one hand, it's a criminal act, but on the other hand, Sira as a regulator would have a serious interest in that. So, uh, and then the other option is actually to go to them and say, "You've listed me as X. You've used my name, and you've benefited from my name. I'm suing you, and I want you to pay me X. But in addition to that, you've also costed me a job." Yeah. Yeah. The so, consequential damages. Yeah, so you've got you've got pretty much three options that you can you can use any combination of the three. If you just want money and you don't want to take anybody to jail, you don't want to cause trouble, I would go for the civil suit and say, listen, and then if they don't play ball, you pursue the civil suit, you pursue the criminal act, and then you also pursue the CIRA. Any any sequence that, that sits well with you. All right. Uh, good luck with that, Debocho. Let's talk to Garabo who's calling all the way from Kwatwa. Evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, yes, so um, I'm going to try and keep this uh, brief. So this uh, situation happened a couple of years ago whereby um, a relative uh, went to a dealership to, um, to purchase um, a car, uh, whereby after yes, all the paperwork and everything was failed, so the vehicle apparently was in another, maybe another station in another dealership, um, to be brought to this one. So after that happened, when the vehicle arrived, um, only to find that the vehicle was not actually in a condition to be actually taken home, you know, with um, leaks and all sorts of other mechanical problems. Um, so what had happened um, with that situation, the vehicle was left there, and with the vehicle now being left there, um, with the agreement that, no, we can't take the car, 
that's actually in that condition. So a couple of weeks pass and still nothing is happening. It's still phone calls with the salesperson. No, we're working on it. I'm going to get back to you and whatnot. So weeks go to a couple of months. And now with the frustration building up, um, from the guy who actually bought the vehicle now, um, he finds himself now actually not paying um, the other installment uh, because now the vehicle is still there with these people. So now later on, a couple weeks later, um, the advice yeah. is... Just bottom line, my brother. Okay. Um, so now what had happened uh, eventually with stopping with the payment, um, he eventually got advice that he should just actually try and contact the ombudsman. So now the ombudsman now is involved trying to actually resolve the matter and uh, within uh, with that space of that thing happening, PayPal are saying that the car has been repossessed and all those things. So the vehicle was taken from there and is now repossessed and now it's a matter of he's been paying for a vehicle that has actually been not in his possession for now a while with the contract that was actually signed with the dealership and things. Okay, and what's the question, brother? So um, I just wanted to actually find if ever it's possible maybe to dispute um, that situation that had happened, that um, can you now be liable to be paying for something that you actually didn't even receive um, as per the uh, deal that happened with the vehicle that you buy and then it's still in the dealership, eventually it even gets um, taken away there and now you are left with, paying for a vehicle that you didn't actually receive. Yeah, Mike, this, this facts that he is relaying um, are quite common and, 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 and the frequency at which I have had similar stories baffles me. Uh, I think the, the, the thing to understand is that this, there is a three relationship, there are three relationships happening here. The first relationship is between the person and the bank, the person buying the vehicle and the bank. And the, the second relationship is between uh, the person buying the vehicle and the dealership. Uh, and those two relationships are interlinked, but they're equally exclusive. So that's the first part. The second part is when you are buying a vehicle that is secondhand, uh, you are in all likelihood buying that vehicle foot stood. In other words, you're buying that vehicle as it is. There are two types of defects that would, 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 would ordinarily be available or, or present on a, on a second-hand vehicle. It is what you call a latent defect and a patent defect. If the defect on the vehicle is something that you should be able to see by an ordinary observation of the vehicle and you decide to buy the vehicle anyway, you are considered to have, been, to have known that this vehicle has problems and therefore you are buying that, that, that vehicle with its problems. If it is a defect that is not ordinarily visible to the naked eye, it's a, it's, a, it's a latent defect. It's a defect that even by careful and reasonable observation, you would, not been, you would not have been able to observe. And that defect becomes a problem. You are entitled to, to, to terminate the sale agreement on the basis that there is a defect that if I had known about it, I would not have purchased the vehicle. But you still remain in a contractual relationship with the bank. Because the bank is not in the business of owning cars. It is in the business of giving you money. And therefore, they, they gave you the money you paid. You, you instructed them to pay the dealership so that you can take delivery of the vehicle. They want their money from you. 
So you need to be able to attend to these issues quite urgently, knowing very well that there is a, there is a, there are two different relationships that are mutually exclusive, even though they are linked. So, so, so the obligation to pay the bank remains for as long as this vehicle is, is, is still, you are still contractually obligated to, 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 to the dealership in the sense that you have not terminated the sale agreement with the, with the dealership. So if he thinks that the vehicle had a latent defect, a defect that he would not have seen by reasonable observation, then he can terminate. But if this defect was quite evident when he bought the car, then it's a defect that is called a footstool defect. You would have bought the vehicle with this problem. Yeah, and then last one is that sometimes with all the latents and, 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 and patent defects, some dealerships also provide a warranty or a guarantee, right? So also check that. So if they've given you a guarantee um, that the car will be good for X time, right? So um, they need to make good on that guarantee or that warranty, depending. And some, some people would say, well, we'd, we warrant that you, that, that the, mecha- uh, the me- mechanical you won't have mechanical issues, and if you do have mechanical issues with this car for the next twelve months, we will we we will make good um, on 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 those issues. So check that as well, the kind of contract that you've entered into. I want to take a break, and when we come back, we're taking your calls, uh, and this is the last twenty minutes. So if you're going to call, if if you decide to call us two minutes before eight o'clock, despite all the love and the desire to take your call, we will not be able to do it. So do give us a call as early as possible. A number to dial 86 We're back after this. The Law Report on Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back, Kaya. Welcome to The Law Report. I'm visiting with Michael Motonengbeer, my big brother. We're talking about everything and anything to do with the law. We use an open line. Give us a call on 86 959 We are ready to take any questions that you have. Uh, we'll be very happy to give you the answers that you need. It has been a long time since we, we did this show in this manner, so we're ready to take any of your calls. Mike. All right, Jimmy, uh, you're on the line. Hit us. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, hi, everyone. Um, um, I'll, I'll jump straight to the point. Um, Please. Um, um, my, my question is twofold. Um, it's both legal and relates to sales, but but... I'm struggling to sell myself. So, so basically, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an IT consultant, and I get into contracts with these big companies, and I feel that they take advantage of that. So, I want to understand. So, so at the moment, my, well, my question is, what is the difference uh, for contractors and, 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 and freelancers? The difference between the types of contracts that that people get into, uh, a, a con- type of contract that that where you provide a service and you build per hour versus or compared to a type of contract where you 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 it's called a retainer i, I heard this from from a, a colleague of mine retainer hmm. uh, is there a trick what is the difference so i'm i'm, I'm billing per hour what is the difference between billing per hour retainer? is there a difference and can i make more if i go on a retainer say say what is a retainer the thing is i yeah, don't sure. understand what's a retainer let's what deal with a that retainer yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to be honest, my point is I, I want to to make the most out of uh, out of the setup. And if I speak to 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 my client, mm-hmm. I need to be clear. I, I can't be speaking to them about the difference between contracts and to say, put me on a retainer. And I don't understand what is a retainer. Firstly, mm-hmm. what is a retainer? Google is not helping. And is it best <laughs> for me to stay billing per hour or to be on a retainer? 
All right, we got your question. All right, so so what a retainer is, uh, so th- th- there are different ways of, of contracting, right? So you can say to somebody, I will render services to you and these are, this is my fee. And my fee is calculated on an hourly basis, on a monthly basis, yeah. on an annual basis, or on a basis of deliverables, so milestones. Yeah. Um, and then a retainer is something where it says, well, we are going to, pretty much it says what it, it is what it says. We are going to retain your services, right? So you're going to guarantee us your services as, uh, as Jimmy. And in turn, we are going to guarantee you an amount of X or Y. But a retainer in and of itself gets structured in different ways. So you can say, and, and for example, as a lawyer, somebody can say, Michael, I want to retain you in my company. And I want to give you 50,000 rands. But whatever I need from you, um, you need to be there for me. So it's, it, it's not defined in terms of what do I need to give back. In, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do I need to give back in terms of time, right? It's not defined. It's open-ended. But a more clever retainer says, um, well, I will give you my services if you give me your 50,000. But my time, I won't exceed 50 hours. If I, if I exceed 50 hours, I'm going to have to start billing you in using this methodology. Um, and really, that's the difference between a retainer. I retain your services and I retain either a guaranteed number and a specified number of hours. I can say, you got to give me 10 hours a month. And, and you know that um, whatever happens, you give 10 hours to that people. But it, it works well because when you're running a business, um, uh, Jimmy, one of the things that you'll soon find out are very helpful is guaranteed an annuity income. So if you know that you're going to get – so give what may, corona or not, you're going to get 50,000 rands from – um, client X. That's good for business. That's good for certainty. That's good because in your business you have what we call yeah. your fixed costs and and your variable costs. Consistent. So if you have yeah, yeah, yeah. let me let me finish. Um, so with your variable when you have your fixed costs, but you work to getting fixed income, you know how to meet your fixed costs because your fixed income as well. And then whatever you then play, whatever you get over and above that can deal with your variable costs. But at least you know you've got the the, the basics done. Your follow-up question quickly. If you've just joined us, do give us a call. We're taking any of your questions. I mean, we've gone from, we've gone from the things that we've been talking about to, okay. to Jimmy's call. So it's pretty much open for you. And we've got the last 11 minutes. Use it wisely. Number to dial 086-00-00959. Jimmy again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You, you had a follow-up question? Well, the follow-up question um, was, um, in your opinion, um, for a person in my situation, uh, I understand it, it, it depends on what is the fixed cost and what is the objective or what the goal. But what would you advise? Uh, what is the best type of setup? Go straight to hourly billing or does it matter really as long as I, 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 I hit my target? Well, it always matters. Is it a retainer or, 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 or hourly? It, it always matters, Jimmy. You got to work out. So, so you got to work out the size of your client. You, you and IT, you know the kind of problems that could happen, right? And you know when you have had a bargain, and you know when you have you've undercut yourself. So, let's say I don't know what kind of IT services you do. Quickly, what do you do? What kind of IT? It's uh, IT security. So IT security. So you know 
that when you're doing IT security, the first the first b- bit of work happens in the beginning, and the following that is just maintenance, right? So you're gonna install yes. your, fi- your, your 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 firewalls. Your, 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 the, so there's there's sort of capital expenditure at the beginning because you got to procure these licenses, the software. But after that, it's just checking and testing, and you know, uh, advising yes. the client and sort of sending them regular memos. So you can work out to say, imagine this. Ask yourself um, if you. If, if you, you've done work for a similar business, so if you come into a law firm and the law firm has got 50 lawyers in it, you know the kind of risk that would be attached to that. You know what it would cost. If I say, I want you to cost me this for a year, including the whole package, how much would it be for a year? And once you got the number for a year, work it back in months and then say, well, I think that if, if with the licenses and everything spread over 12 months, let's say it costs a million rands. So you divide that million rands by 12 and then from that 12, you can then work, work out how much your retainer ought to be. Um, I think, I think we can stop here. Um, um, uh, it, it is, it is clear. Obviously I'll have to do some research and engage with, with my client, but, um, um, thank you, thank you a lot for for your time. You're welcome. And, the and biggest and thing is to know the business I, I of your client. You, you're more than welcome, Jimmy. I loved your call, Edward from Johannesburg. Good evening. Hello. Yes, Edward. Hi. Yes. How are you, man? I'm well. How are you, Edward? Good. Thank you. I'm terribly sorry. We got cut off earlier. No problem. I, I just have a few, uh, um, sort of two questions, but this this is a second form of the. I think the most important one. I had a um, a situation here where I took my vehicle to a panel beta. I think it was back uh, somewhere in 2014. Um, and it was uh, uh, it was that kind of a transaction. But what happened was my car was stolen at the penalty Peter, right? And a few days when I, you know, when I went back to the penalty Peter to collect my car, I was told that uh, my car was stolen. But I investigated inside internally. I discovered that it was uh, an employee who stole the car. I just want to know what uh, do I have, uh, how do I, because they've since promised to, to, to pay my car. And eventually they said to me, look, uh, they showed me a board to say they are not responsible for any theft. In fact, at the time during you know that transaction when it happened, I went to the police station to, to, to report a case. And they said to me, look, this is not theft. We cannot uh, open a case uh, because it's not theft. So I just want to know how do I go about, how do I recover my, my car because I lost uh, um, uh, the, my car and in the process. So what do I do? Mm. All right, Ngobizita, that's yours. Yeah, um, I, I think you might start having problems of prescription that was talking about 2014. Um, uh, you, you need to be able to bring your matter or, or, or litigate uh, or bring a claim within a period of uh, three years. But, oh, uh, but yeah. yes, uh, but the principle, though, is that uh, the person you give a car, you have a reasonable expectation that they must be able to secure that vehicle for you. In other words, you, you, you transferred risk to them and they should be able to indemnify you or pay you back in the event that they lose the vehicle when the vehicle is in their possession. Uh, If the vehicle was stolen by an employee, the employer is vicariously liable for that theft. So you should be able to bring a claim against the the employer um, uh, if you are are sure that that vehicle was stolen by by a person employed by, by that company. My main worry is that you might 
start be having problems with prescription because you might have taken too long to go to court. Okay, so, I mean, uh, as you know, Ngobizita, at the end of the show, we get a lot of calls. And right now, we're getting so many calls and we've got six minutes left. I'm not sure we're going to get to okay. all of them. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on, um, Edward, is yeah. criminal law doesn't expire. And what you're describing, or theft, theft is a continuing crime because it's it, it so we don't talk prescription when it comes to theft or even murder right because we say that these crimes are continuing um uh but even if we did talk prescription prescription at criminal law is like 10 years that's the first one so what what you what you have is a problem with a police officer that decided to be the prosecuting authority and tell you what is theft and what is not it wasn't up to the cop to tell you what is theft it's not they don't define what what the law is what you've described to us is theft so what it means is that um the the overzealous cop that provided legal advice was wrong uh you need to go back to the police and say my car was stolen and they need to open a case for you and that case needs to go to the npa and the npa must make a decision but even if the NPA makes a decision and say it wasn't theft, that's you, you can still prosecute it yourself. It sounds very much to me like it's theft. It sounds very much to me that some people got to be arrested and there has to be some kind of investigation that happens. So go to the police first thing in the morning and, and I promise you, you'll get, you'll get some answer. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Tabo from Johannesburg. Good evening. Please be very quick. Um, we did say yeah. don't call last minute, but it's, we're kind of getting used to this. We get calls like for the last five minutes. Go for it. Gentlemen, thanks very much. Uh, 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 your service done, doesn't come cheap, so thanks for the pro bono service. You're, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'll be quick. Mike, I just want to find out, my, my question is on fiduciary responsibilities of uh, of non-executive directors, and with spe- uh, you know, special reference to, to Steinhoff. I've read two books, and you know, it's so pathetic. Uh, I, I, when I say two books, I've read two books on, on, on Steinhoff, both by Rob Rose and James Bryan. It was so pathetic, considering then that the you know the the, the non-executive directors of Steinhoff had no less than fifty percent of the of 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 of, 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 the, of the personnel having uh, qualified as CA, CAs. Mm. Uh, legally speaking, considering that the new the Company Act and maybe taking from Savannah's Oxley Act in the U.S. that the, the fiduciary responsibility to the non-directors is really very clear. That you know, unlike in the past, you cannot exonerate yourself and say, "No, I didn't know about this." Legally speaking, why is it so difficult that uh, Steinhoff, that that you know, the case of Steinhoff cannot be solved? Yeah. So, so, so there isn't a difference, strictly speaking, around you know, there's no sort of a big fiduciary duty or small fiduciary duty. Fiduciary duty is a fiduciary duty, and what I, what I mean by that is, it's the same whether you're non-executive or executive director. The minute you assume the role of a director, you owe that company a fiduciary duty to always act in its best interest. Now, yeah. it stands to as a defense to no man to say that I, I didn't discharge my duty because I'm not clever enough or I didn't, I didn't understand this. The, we say that ignorance of the law is, is no excuse. And Mwabizita, uh, a lover of Latin, might even explain that in Latin to you. <laughs> I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no time for jokes. We've got two minutes. Um, <laughs> um, so so, um, the, so, so that, that, that's really the point. So we say that ignorance of the law is no excuse, but there's an exception, right? So when you, when you are 
at home and and you didn't take up a job of a director you can are you allowed to be ignorant about what you just explained about socks and american system the king three because we do let's go high you 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 didn't say i want to be director the minute yeah. you put up your hand and you say you want to be a director we say you can't use that as an excuse because you are supposed to familiarize yourself with matters that are within your area of work or your things that you should know right so if i'm not in telecommunications i'm not expected to know the uh, broadcasting act i'm not expected but once i take up a job i then have to know so i can't have i can't claim ignorance we got literally 30 seconds alex you're on the road good evening alex yes alex quickly please i'm not sure the time is enough for me it's, it's not. Let's do this. Let's 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 do this properly. Nobizita, you wanna you wanna play again next week? Anytime, Mike. Anytime, All right, anytime, we're gonna do this again next week because the calls are just huge. We're gonna do the same format next week. Itumileng, uh, we're gonna take your number, Alex. We're gonna take your numbers, and we're gonna start with you next week. This was fun for me, and 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 I can sense it was fun for Nobizita. Uh, always, man. <laughs> I, I love this one. I love this one. We must help him, Kaya. Yeah. You mean someone just told you that your services don't come cheap, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, some people are cheaper than others. Uh, <laughs> all right, we do this again next week. Please line your calls up. Please phone as early as possible. We love doing this. I love law. Obviously, I love law and politics. Um, we'll take all t- <laughs> we'll t- We'll do this again next week. Please do give us a call. Obviously, thank you, brother. Anytime, Mike. We'll, we'll do this again next week. All right, and thank you for all your calls. Thank you for listening. I really don't take that for granted. It's been fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you. We're back again next Wednesday. Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.